Hi, everyone. I'm Joanna, and this is Hyphenated, the podcast about living in the hyphen. And today I'm really excited because although Jenny couldn't be here today, I have invited back one of my very good friends. She's already been on the show, Akila Hughes. She is an incredible comedian, writer, actor, everything. We came up in the New York scene at the same time uh, doing internet comedy. And she's just honestly an absolute an absolute doll. Is that a good introduction of you? Yeah. I think it is. <laughs> honestly, it's incredibly sweet. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, we know we definitely came up together and now we're uh, languishing in LA together. <laughs> languishing in LA. It's it's interesting because New York in like the 2010s, I I felt like it was me and you trying so hard to make it while making little videos on YouTube. <laughs> A thousand percent. It was like, well, maybe someone will pay me real money while I make all of this stuff. And then maybe, then it was like, look at all these places paying us to make our little videos. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I, me and you, like, connected immediately. I felt like very rarely, my dad always talks about how there's something called chemistry and that there's people in the world that you just click with and people that you you don't. And I have yeah. like people in my family I don't click with. Um, and then there's random strangers I meet and I'm like, oh my God, are you are you my soulmate? You know? <laughs> yeah, seriously. And last time we had you on the show, we, we talked about health. Yeah. We talked about your health struggles. We talked about my health struggles. We talked about how struggling actually makes for good comedy. But one of the things that I find very charming about you is that you always you always do find a way to laugh at really crazy shit (laughs) and I wanted to take this episode and this opportunity to basically what we would do over a brunch we're going to do in front of thousands of people so you grew up in Kentucky yeah and it's funny because no one would expect that I think based on my accent and general demeanor like Everyone in LA is like, oh, you're from New York, right? Because yeah. <laughs> I just don't listen to their bullshit for more than like five seconds. They're like, so I got this crystal yesterday from a special place. And I'm like, so you bought a rock from some lady. What else? <laughs> like, I just don't have time for, you know, the long hangout. And they're like, it's just, you seem so impatient. And I'm like, right. I don't think that that is the Southern part of me. I think the Southern part of me tends to be the like homebody nature, the like wanting space and uh, also like wanting to be a good host. I'm not that good of a host at my house. (laughs) I think it's really funny though, because I'm, uh, as I walk through LA, I either see a psychic booth thing or Mm -hmm. a crystal shop. And in New York, it's like, oh, like a Starbucks and a Chase Bank. And here it's like (laughs) crystals and ghosts and spirits. It's like, yeah, yeah. And then like a weird rug store that's like $10 rugs going out of business, but they never go out of business. (laughs) They never go out of business. So when you when you were growing up in in Kentucky, what what was that like? Did you have a big family? Were you surrounded by people like you? Were you not surrounded by people like you? Like what what was the deal? Yeah, I mean, so my family was pretty small and contained. Like, we had cousins and stuff in Cincinnati, so it's, like, a 30-minute drive. But we really did only see them at holidays because they were, like, we were the in-between age, my sister and I. Mm -hmm. So I have a sister who's just a year older, and we were, like, the unit. So it was, like, cool. You guys hang out with each other. The rest of the family is, like, has their counterpart with my mom's brothers and sisters. So it was pretty small, so just me and her, and uh, there were no black people (laughs) in my neighborhood. So you were the only black family? Oh, totally. It was, like, very, very bleak because, like... Like when I was a little, little kid, we did live like closer to Cincinnati. And so there were, it was way diverse. And my mom worked at an elementary school that I went to until like fourth grade. So everybody there was diverse and like, you know, maybe low income, but at least you saw people who looked like you sometimes. Mm -hmm. And we moved to the suburbs, like, thank you, subprime mortgages. (laughs) (laughs) 
so we moved to the suburbs and it was just like us and a TV and <laughs> like a backyard that we would go in for like, you know, 10 minutes before our allergies would act up where we were like kind of chubby, like lazy kids. So we just wanted to be in the house. Like objectively, we're like, let's just continue our like Barbie campaign. Like, I think it's like <laughs> we played Barbies like it was like Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> oh, my God. Really? It was like violent. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like we had full plot lines and it was like, OK, so today we need to get to the camp like. So we had a camper and like, the whole point would be writing the dialogue and all of the tribulations getting to camp. And then we'd be like, that's good for the day. That's good. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a lot of playing Barbies and being isolated and like figuring out who I was through television, which I think is probably mm -hmm. why I became like a comedian later in life was because like I loved funny TV shows and I like obviously watched SNL way too young and was like, yeah, no, this is like, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to make jokes about shit. Like I at least relate to anybody's color if they're funny. So that's nice. Yeah. And I mean, here's the thing. I don't know much about the South. Like I've been to the South. I've been to Nashville. Do you know what I mean? Like every oh, other, yeah. you know, Northeastern American. Yeah, for sure. It wasn't a bachelorette, but I, it was like riddled in bachelorette energy. And I was like, yeah. this isn't for me. But I feel like, and this might be an incorrect assumption, and and I'm sure it is. But for me, it's I'm like, oh, Kentucky. Like I'm sure that there's a lot of racism there. <laughs> oh, Do you know what I'm saying? Fully, yeah. No, it's exactly every stereotype. Like great food, super like, hey y'all, come on over. We made a pot of chili energy mixed with like, Shh, sh, get the fuck off my lawn. Like <laughs> like they, you know, they really have that dichotomy down. So like Kentucky is. A little nerve wracking. And it's so funny because like growing up or at least like the earliest years of my life being so close to a city, you know, I would have friends who were kind of like from the country who would be like, oh, my God, like, how did you live there? Like gun violence. So scary. <laughs> and then like I moved to the suburbs and I'm like, if I walk outside at night, like I'm going to get murdered, like for sure. Like right after high school, I was driving. I was home for some reason and my mom was sick and I was driving to like a Kroger in the middle of the night. It was maybe like 11 and I got pulled over outside my driveway. <laughs> what? Were they just waiting like, for you? Yes. They were literally just waiting for me. And the first question I asked was like, where are you coming from? I'm like, well, I think you saw my house. <laughs> it's like right there. Do you think this guy was like, there's a black person in there. I'm just going to wait till they come out. Yeah. Like a black person's <laughs> coming out. Like maybe he saw us go in with groceries and was like, they're breaking in and just like staked us out for 10 hours. <laughs> They're playing Barbies. They're playing Barbies. They're planning exactly. something. Yeah, like they're calling the radio station. They're trying to win tickets to Backstreet Boys, but they're going to come out. <laughs> like it was really that sus. And it was so funny. The only way I think I got out of that interaction without like some sort of ticket or even just like an escalation was that I saw his name tag and I was like, wait, are you related to like my friend Joy? And he was like, yeah, that's my sister. I'm like, oh, yeah, we were like in choir together in high school. And he was like, oh, like, okay, you're a real person, not like a victim I'm about to create. <laughs> like, terrifying. So, yeah, the South is um, not it. It's like, it's beautiful to visit, but I think that it's a hard place to grow up. Yo, that's so <laughs> bleak. But, you know, I, I have this theory about people that I get along with immediately. Like, people that I click with immediately. Yeah. A lot of people that I click with immediately are people that were sort of forced to reckon with who they are very early in life. So Ooh, like that is a I, word, yes. <laughs> yeah, like I have a lot of queer friends. And the reason I click so well with them is they didn't they couldn't just exist and not right. question themselves. They had to just they yeah. they had to really reckon 
with who they were and and yeah. decide and be brave about it, you know? Well, it's like they had to reckon with how the world saw them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, or at least like people who were like them so early that it makes it, you know, like it is sort of a survival instinct to be like, okay, who am I in this equation and how do I survive the world? And like, you know, how do I make it a decent enough world for me? And I think like my escape was comedy, you know? It was like, you know what? Yeah. If, if somebody doesn't like me, I'm going to make a joke or I'm going to make fun of them and make other people laugh. But like <laughs> something is going to give where I'm, I disarm yeah. someone with my silly little jokes. And you disarmed me. And it's it's interesting because when I was growing up in the States, I looked like everyone. Right. Yeah. So I didn't feel like everyone. I, I felt weird that like my teachers would say that I had a learning disability because I couldn't spell because bitch it was my second language do you know what I'm saying yeah exactly yeah and, and people would make fun of my lunches because there was platano in them but if I didn't open my mouth no one would look at me twice like I, I blended in I was not weird it was just like I was I existed and when I went back to Venezuela in a very different sense because People would stare when I'd go into like a supermarket, like sometimes people would stare, but people wouldn't stare at me like, oh, she's going to take something. People would stare at me like, oh, a white person. She's automatically beautiful. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. They're like, wow, let's give her some stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's so and it's I'm like, I didn't realize how insane that was until I came back and I was like, I would stand out there. And I felt like I belonged, but I also didn't really fully because I, I always stood out in a, in a way. Yeah. And I remember coming here and don't judge me for this, Akila. I remember coming here and being like, "Ugh, I hate it. I don't stand out. Every other girl looks exactly like me. <laughs> like That's fair. No, that's totally fair. That's so fair. Do you mean L.A. or just like the U.S. generally? <laughs> everyone in the U.S. look like everyone from Ashley to Nancy. Yeah can look like me do you know like <laughs> That's true. I'm That's not true. <laughs> meanwhile I'd be like in immigration in Venezuela and they'd be like holy shit you have blue eyes I've literally seen two yeah. pairs of blue eyes this week. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, wow, you guys are noticing things about me in America. They're like, that's your currency. Use that. Yeah. <laughs> that's how we know you're better than everyone. Like, <laughs> go sit at the blue eye table. <laughs> it's crazy. Jesus Christ. But I remember you telling me that, like, I think because of the circumstance, you were the only person of color in your neighborhood that you've only dated white people. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's changed since then, thankfully. <laughs> oh, I mean, yes. Yes. Thank God. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, God, I am 30. Like, I was 32 at this point. It's about time. <laughs> Kila, fuck outside your comfort zone. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no, I, uh, you know, I'm an equal opportunity <laughs> person at this point. But yeah, it was that sort of thing where it was like American society on a very small scale. So it's like you have this fetishization of like the hot black kids on all the sports teams by the cute white yeah. cheerleaders. So it's like they're taken like <laughs> they're not looking at me who's <laughs> over here like on the drama team, like wearing like a fucking like werewolf costume <laughs> there with like Ashley Marie uh, on the cheer squad. And so I'm like, well, that's out. And then like I remember I did have friends like I had a lot of like, guys who were friends from like different races and a like we didn't have a ton of immigration in my town but like i had a friend who was from thailand named bung bunra and so i was like we were friends but like he was too shy to ever like try to kiss me so i i really didn't even feel like attractive at all until i went to college and then and also like i got my braces off right before college there was a whole like she's all that moment where it's like wow if you could see your teeth she's like actually not a monster <laughs> 
Guys, slow motion, so, slow yeah. motion her right now. Her braces are off. Exactly. Like, whoa, look how huge her teeth look without the braces. We should date her. <laughs> it was weird because I think I just, I, I had no options. And like the white guys that did end up liking me were really all in college. Like it, it just didn't happen for me in high school at all. And like, it's so funny now, you know, with whatever little bit of fame or like internet clout I have, it's probably a better way of putting it. It's like, any of those boys now, if I'm at home and like I show up on their Tinder, like, oh my God, we went to high school together. Oh my God. I'm like, yeah, you have like four wives and like 17 kids. Like you're, I'm not going to date you now. Like it's too late. <laughs> you fucking missed out. I was so cute. That's fucking cute. And they're like, remember, I just didn't want to say it because I was racist and I'm still a little racist, but now that you have money, uh, be cool. I'm like, I don't have that much money. I can't support 17 kids. <laughs> It's the reason I don't have any. <laughs> so wait, do you like going home? Like when you go back to Kentucky, you're like, I'm going back home. Is that what that feels yeah. like? Yeah, It's like going home really? for sure. But mm. I don't love it. Here's what I love. I love seeing my best friend who like, I honestly need to go back because she's had a kid and now she's pregnant with a second kid since the last time I saw her. And I love seeing my mom like, but the rest of my family's pretty much moved away. So when I'm back there, it's just like, I think it jogs my memory in a good way of like, I don't know. I don't know if you've, um, you're like all boot up and married and happy, but it's like, you know, when I go through my like weird things with boys and I'm like, I've loved him forever and they're ruining my heart. I like go home and I'm like, oh, there was a whole life before them. <laughs> None of these people know who the fuck that is. Like, so it's, no, I get it's it. good to remember where you come from. But like, I don't think I would ever want to stay for more than like, a week like you know mm -hmm. at least unless I was doing something that like took me away from it because it is still a little bit sus like I feel like you know if I see people I know because most people don't leave then it's like it's nice and we say hi and whatever but I feel like you know just there's not there's still not a lot to do but the mall is just like there but worse and like I still feel like I'm stared at everywhere I go just being a black person. And I'm like, it's 2022. Like, I can't go from living in New York, a place that's like so diverse that literally like it's it's wild. <laughs> yeah. you can see, I mean, income diversity, like education diversity, interest diversity, color diversity, like, I mean, neighborhood diversity. <laughs> like, there's just so yeah. much that like I go back home and I'm like, everyone's trying to be the exact same person. Like, Usually the thing I get clocked for first is that like my outfit's cool. <laughs> like someone's like, I like the, I just hear them whisper to their friend like, wow, like I've never seen jeans like that. I'm like, yeah, because like I'm not trying to look like you guys. Like you all are trying to look like you work for HGTV. <laughs> get a new style. <laughs> you're not Joanna Gaines, bitch, you know? Exactly. Chip is not going to date you. What you're saying is so interesting, though, like because <laughs> I think going home, right? I, I haven't been able to go home in a really long time. Yeah. But going home always felt for a while like going back to who I really felt I was. Like, oh, this is my home. This is like who I am. But then going home for me now is like going to New York, which is no one yeah. knows who I am. If I leave, no one cares. It's like yeah. I actually – it represents the last 10 years of my life, not the last 33 years of my life. Yeah. And it's no longer the place that sort of indicates – like, if I go back to Caracas, I'm like, oh, my God, this is where my grandma lived. This is where my family yeah. lived. These are my apartments. Oh, my gosh. If I if I meet someone and I say who I am, they might know my parents. Like, this, this sense yeah. of, like, home homeness, that doesn't feel like home anymore. Right. 
it what feels like home is going to the place where I've like struggled for, <laughs> for yeah. you know, for a decade. Yeah. And I know where like the best deli sandwiches. And yes. it's interesting how that changes. And I wonder how it'll it'll evolve. Totally. I mean, in that regard, it's like it's it's interesting to see like my friends who did stay home, like in Kentucky, who like for them, they're like, I don't know if I could ever leave home. But it's like, they don't have the understanding that home can be a lot of places. Like in my mind, it's so obvious where I'm like, oh, like Disney World is a home of my life. Like I can tell you my favorite, like hidden Mickey in um, like the Magic Kingdom in Orlando's Disney World in Tomorrowland in the cement, like 15 paces from a place. I'm like, I used to walk past this every day. Like they're the things that like really like formed who you were and like what you dreamt about mm-hmm. and what you wanted in life. And I think that like it almost feels too small in that regard where I'm like, I remember being in high school just being like, if I can make a thousand bucks, <laughs> I can get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Like I can't I can't get anything from that anymore. You know, like my dreams are so mm-hmm. much bigger that I'm like, no, I have to go somewhere where I like remember being like getting my first big job or like a, my first mm-hmm. job where it was like, oh, this is a salary where I know I can like buy things um, <laughs> or like at least pay taxes yeah. that are like, you know, I like my tax returns, not just like a hundred bucks, like, you know, like that's sort of like what New York is to me. And I think just like I went there knowing I wanted to do comedy and I knew that I wanted to take improv classes. But like I didn't know what any of that stuff was. And I was still like a little too shy to like let go of trying to look cool. And so it's like, I remember when I finally let my guard down and it's like, I mm-hmm. never did in Kentucky. There's like no mm-hmm. memory there of me being like, I'm happy to be myself. It's all like, just hide until you can get the fuck out of here. So yeah, right. it's tough. But you were, no, you, you were someone that knew you had to get out. And I always wonder yeah. the people that can't, and, and I think it's great people that just stay. I mean, yeah. it seems like a really pleasant life. You know, to, yeah. to be in your comfort zone all the time. Like, I'm being pulled. I'm in L.A. and they fucking stole my airbags from my car three days ago. It's so and I'm like, can crazy. I just get one break here? Like, Yeah, you're like, it's weird because now they're just stealing my shoes off of my feet. <laughs> yeah. Someone takes a sandwich out of your hands while you're eating it. Like, L.A. is that. Oh, my God. I mean, I think that, like, I, I know discomfort is, like, necessary for growth. I get it. Okay? I get it. And like I, w- I called my dad after you know my airbags were stolen from my car, and I was like, God, I just—it's just so exhausting. Like, God I damn can't it. not laugh. He, I'm sorry. It's honestly what I, I always say. I'm the luckiest crazy. unlucky person. It's who the yeah. fuck goes into a car and steals the airbags? Like out of who everything, needs them? who the fuck like, needs are they the, even the same the, between cars? <laughs> Are you gonna go? Are, are they gonna go to a pawn shop and say, Hey, I got like a sexy ass fucking deal here two airbags for for like honda airbags um yeah but my my dad was like you know what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and i'm like you know i'm fine with my level of strength i don't need to be stronger like i'm good like i think i'm strong i'm good (laughs) i can say after the pandemic you've had um i think you don't need like airbag strength you know (laughs) I think the like surviving a really painful cancer situation strength is uh, way ahead of someone stole my airbag strength. Yeah. You don't need that. That's for someone else. That's an inconvenience. That's an inconvenience. Yeah, you that's know? actually someone else's journey. I think. But you know, I feel so weird sometimes because I pride myself on being like 
I'm like, I'm brave. I like, I like get out of my fucking comfort zone and I fucking got it. But like some days I'm like, why? <laughs> why? Yeah, why? Same. Just move into your parents' house in the Berkshires and like make, I don't know, earrings and sell them on Etsy and just like yeah. have Ooh. a farm. And I mean, farm seems like a lot of work, actually. Never mind. I'm just like, <laughs> I know. I'm like, the waking up early, as you know, since I'm, I got here late, is not going to be for me. Like, the chickens are just going to be like in the house. By the time I get up, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> they wanted their food and I wasn't there. <laughs> Wait, you know that we all, like, people like us who have like, crazy stupid dreams and are like gunning to be successful and it's exhausting all of us have a dream job that is way more attainable what is yours like mine yeah. is i just want to get like a house and airbnb the rooms and be a host in like some cute town and that way i can like do like basically comedy for all my guests yes. and i can be a host and that's it and that's yeah. my that's my like dream backup job yeah yeah you're 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 uh, your plan b i mean i feel like mine based on the skills i have now because like there's one that i would have loved to have attained but it's like I, I do think it's too late for me which would be like i'd love to be like a linguist like i'd love to like teach languages but i don't know mm. <laughs> any other languages <laughs> so, okay like your plan b is really hard <laughs> Yeah, it's too hard. So I'm going to go to my plan C, which is truly like my dream is to just sit on Pinterest all day and look at people's houses. And then so like the truth is what I would like to do is be an interior designer. Like I, I literally stay up until four in the morning making like swatches with the paint colors I've chosen and then like a rug from the Internet. And I will like Photoshop them together just to look at it and be like, yeah, no, that could make the room. That would be good. And it's like, you know, I'm now I'm tired and I blow an audition because I was doing that. Instead, I'm like, that's clearly what I'm best. <laughs> but I just want to get paid for the other things. So. Yeah, I know. And I feel like a lot of like, I mean, being blunt, I feel like a lot of white women who were like failed actors or like, um, like they were like failed like clothing designers, like they pivot hard into interior design and then they're like getting paid millions of dollars to decorate somebody's house. I'm like, that's my dream. Like, give me a house, like a mid-century home that was like owned by an architect and be like, Akila, go wild. And then I'll just like be like, this is the Instagram for this house I made. It's so nice. Look at the rugs. Like that's, <laughs> that's really it. Okay. I want you to design my house. I will. I mean, look, you just have to tell me the things that you like and don't like. Like, I'm not going to make it the same house as mine, but I will make it so good. You'll be like, damn, she really figured it out. You know what's funny? Like, I have a friend. She's She's got, like, a chill job. Like, n nothing crazy. She likes her job. It's fine. It's not her dream. And then yeah. her dream has always been to be, it, like, a, a theater actor. But she never pursued it. Yeah. And it's very funny that us, that, like, we're pursuing the crazy art dream. We dream yeah. <laughs> of having her. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I would love to wake up and just go to an office that I – and. And I can be there for years if I wanted to and be told yeah. what to do and 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 have my brain be stimulated and and <laughs> have a good time with my coworkers and have like casual Friday and then and then go home. Yeah. You know, that sounds great. Yeah. yeah, I like honestly, there are so many times when I envy that mostly when rent is due. I'm like. Oh, great. So um, I'm paying rent and uh, now I just have to make sure that I get another job at some point. <laughs> Whereas, like, I mean, you know, there were when I was hosting the podcast, that was kind of my like, you know, day to day ball and chain consistently working, you know, whatever. And they were the only people I saw most of the pandemic. And then I was just like, actually, I can't do it anymore. Like, it's amazing that a podcast became too much. But the truth is, it did. And I'm like. I actually don't think I'm a person who can work for other people. Like, I am 
capital M millennial that's like, I'm building this for me. It's all about mm-hmm. happiness. <laughs> Fuck your company. <laughs> like, it's just how I'm going to be. I can't do it. I think I couldn't possibly. I would be the kind of person who'd have. I mean, I am the kind of person who, like, generally speaking, if I have a, a structured job like that, I can't have it for more than two years without my yeah. brain leaking out of my ear where I'm like, <laughs> I resent every part of this. <laughs> I get bored very easily. Like the moment yes. that routine becomes uh, monotonous, I was going to say monogamous. I'm like, let's let's relax here, okay? Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say monopoly, and I'm like, it does feel like monopoly. <laughs> I have to flip the table. <laughs> uh, surprise, I was going to say mononucleosis. No, yeah. when routine becomes monotonous, I, I feel the urge to break free and be uncomfortable. Like the moment yeah. I get too comfortable in anything – I get yeah. riddled with anxiety, which is yeah. such a terrible quality to have. Like, yeah, like the moment I'm like, everything is set. I like my job. My house is nice. I can afford things. Something is wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, I got to move across the country and... <laughs> and take another job. I, I don't mm-hmm. know why. I don't know if it's... And, and going back to where we started, like, I grew up uncomfortable. I grew yeah. up uncomfortable. And I, yeah. I, I feel bizarrely discomfort is where I find comfort because it yeah. feels like I'm living home. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it feels like home. It's like, it feels so you're used, like, you know how to overcome that sense of like being uncomfortable, but you don't know how to like overcome being bored in comfort. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, I'd rather be uncomfortable then because like, I, this is not the end of the world. Whereas like, if you're sitting there like, well then what else? Like what else? <laughs> what else is there to do? Like what else? Yeah. And so it's like, I kind of feel like, Maybe that's why we like like these sort of careers that, you know, there are very distinct, like not out of reach, but like hard to reach benchmarks where it's like, OK, well, like, yeah. I could win an Emmy. Right. Like I could be mm-hmm. a series regular on a show. I could be this or that. I could write for a TV show like that, you know, people like and talk about like, you know, all of that is rare. And so it's like it feels like well, at least there's a struggle in that, you know, like but I always wonder, like, if I attained all of that, then what else? Like, I'd probably be like, well, I can't keep doing the show because we already did it. Like we we got an award. So, like, you know, yeah. Well, like Hillary Swank got like depressed after she won the Oscar. Yeah. And there's this study that shows that Olympic gold medalists get more depressed than silver medalists because silver medalists. They go home and they have something to work towards and they fe- they feel yeah. like they still have to prove themselves. And then gold medalists are like, well, I fucking made it. Uh, yeah. What? What? What is my what is my drive? What's my meaning? Yeah. And like to that point, like, you know, everybody was mad at Simone Biles because she dropped out in the middle of this Olympics that happened literally last year that no one remembers at all because we were in the middle <laughs> of like all of the other crazy shit happening on the planet. Um, but everybody's like, or at least all the like weird racist white people in America. Uh, so, you know, a very specific designation. I'm not talking about you if you're just a regular white person who didn't care like the rest of them. <laughs> anyway, I'm talking about a very specific subsect who are just like, how could she quit? Like that she's un-American. Like you gotta, you might as well struggle. And I'm like, she's already got like more gold medals than anyone in that event. Like if you don't feel like doing it the next day, like who cares? Like that's how I felt. I was like, good, go home, like rest, do what you want to do. Like what else do you have to prove? She did it. She did it. Yeah. So when you arrive to a new place, what do you do to make it feel like home? Yeah. I mean, that's a really big priority for me now. Like, And I will say, I think that that changed for me when I got sick, where I was like, oh, like I'm saving so much of my life for like 
special occasions like soap dishes and you know or like like little things I would put out for a party that I'm planning in my head mm-hmm. and now like especially in the pandemic so for most of it I was living like in a house with a friend but I had like the casita in the back for me and so it was like sort of a home and studio and the moment I knew we were going to be in there all the time instead of just like part of the time after work you know I like took all of the shit that was in there because it was furnished I took like this big ugly painting down put it behind the bed I like went to my storage unit, got all of my art out. I painted the wall a color that I liked. I bought a new duvet cover. Like I was like, this needs to at least feel like something that like for me, a lot of what home is, is like being surrounded by things I love. Mm -hmm. And so like if it couldn't be people, it had to be like the things in my life that I was like happy about or like proud of or like a friend had given me or, you know, just things that made me feel like a person outside of whatever I was doing for work or you know, whatever environment I'm in. So I'm a big proponent of like candles, (laughs) painting Mm -hmm. and hanging shit on the wall, no matter where it is. Like, I I mean, I've not been lucky enough to do um, like an acting project or something that was like four months in like Canada or something. But if I had something like that, I would have to be able to like bring pieces of home with me or at least like have food. I like something that just felt like all of the senses mm-hmm. of home, like the sights, the smells, mm-hmm. the, the touches, no. all those little things. But how about you? You know, you're in a new spot. How are you making it feel like home? Um, you know, I think I've realized that I'm someone that desperately needs to feel like part of something bigger. So I arrived here and I dropped off my shit. Yeah. And to be clear, I don't like the furnishing in this Airbnb. I get allergies every day. I... <sighs> It's not the type of apartment I would choose for myself, but I love the hosts. And I was like, okay, Gary and Doug, they're my friends. I've I've known them for 10 minutes, but I already feel like, okay. (laughs) And then the first thing I did is I dropped off my shit and I left my apartment and I walked. And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, here's a coffee shop. So I went in the coffee shop. I ordered a coffee. I struck up a conversation with a barista. I found out his name is Max. I was like, all right, done. Next. Great. Okay. Uh, oh, this is a, a a burrito place. Gonna go in. Okay. Talk to the guy. He's from Guatemala. That guy's from El Salvador. Okay. Next time I come here, I'm gonna say hi to both of them. So I feel like like Belle from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> you um, are Belle from Beauty and the Beast if you think about it. <laughs> I'm like, and here 100%. I am, everybody. I'm here. And everyone's just saying bonjour to you. <laughs> bonjour, bonjour. So like, here's a baguette. <laughs> Actually, everyone's like, can you fucking move? There's a line. Um, <laughs> but I, I I, do desperately desire and and feel at home. It, and it doesn't really matter where. That's one of the reasons why language is so important to me. Like, I, I struggle. I go to Paris very often because my grandfather's there. And I struggle there. <laughs> I struggle in Paris. Um, no, but I struggle <laughs> to feel at home there <laughs> because yeah. – um, I, I I speak French not that great, and I just can't communicate and feel like close to people while I'm there. I feel kind of isolated from the from society, basically. So for me, home is feeling like I'm connected to people. Yeah, and I feel connected to my friends here, but I need to feel connected to yeah. my environment. And totally. I, you know, my house still looks like shit here. Like. <laughs> Like it, it's fine. I keep it clean. I keep it organized. Yeah, but you also just got here. Like, to be clear, I was like eight months in when the pandemic happened or whatever. Like, it was like plenty of time had passed where I was like, I've already thought about how I would change this piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> you like just got here and also moved like three times. So I feel like 
<laughs> no, My you're God. good. You're good. I loved your house when I went. I could Aww. tell that you put a lot of thought into your spaces. And I think as, you know, we we mature, the the human beings, we are we're literally programmed to to create our space in the world. Like we, yeah. we need to create our space. And the way that people do it is so interesting uh, to me and I think it reflects a lot of how we grew up and like I I think you found a safe space in your house in the suburbs playing with Barbies and in your backyard because you know maybe the moment you stepped out it wasn't that much of a safe space for you and so you seek that safe space in your in your home absolutely like I mean that's I honestly need to like invoice my therapist and be like we've been talking for years (laughs) Joanna figured it out. <laughs> the reality is, like, this is why I'm such a homebody even still in the pandemic and all of the shit. It's like I I can be creative in a space that I control. Mm-hmm. And, like, mm-hmm. I also grew up in a place where my mom would just get stuff and then never hang it up. And so now I'm, like, intentional. Like, I've got to make this what I want it to be or else I'm going to I'm gonna resent it. I'm, it's going to feel like it's out of my control. So you're spot on. You're spot on. We should just do this instead of therapy. I know. Yeah. Let's just make like yeah, like the spinoff podcast is just like us talking about a theme, and then in the like last two minutes, Joe is like, so in conclusion, <laughs> this was your problem your whole life, and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, Jaffe. <laughs> hell yeah, hell yeah. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna go talk to uh, some weed about this. <laughs> Stare in the mirror for an hour. I'm gonna shave my head. I'm gonna go talk. To- oh my god, Akila. I really, I do wanna live in a world where we work together and see each other all the time because well this and every time we see each other is an absolute joy thank you so much for for joining me you are the best also let's hang uh i can't go to your house because uh the allergies that your dog dog inflicts on me almost (laughs) murdered me last time but maybe we do like a backyard hang yeah exactly we can go to a backyard we can go to a park you know we can we can do all kinds of stuff. I will make a list of things that are actually fun in LA and I will find stuff for us to do because I do want to see you. It's, it feels like it's been okay. too long already and I'm like, it's been what, like a month? <laughs> but it's a long time. It's been three and a half weeks, but that's a long time for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <it's> really. <laughs> You're the best girl. Well, thanks for having me, man. Yes, queen. <laughs>